So this morning, I want to just share a word God put on my heart this week as we're preparing around this Easter time. And the title of my, title of my message is called Finished, Torn, and Empty. Finished, Torn, and Empty. And I want to share around these three concepts, three ideas from Scripture around the Easter story, three truths that have changed our lives forever and certainly changed the relationship between man and God. And the first idea or the first uh, concept I want to speak about this morning regarding this Easter story comes out of the book of John, John chapter 19 and verse 28. John chapter 19 and verse 28. And it says this, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, and that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Verse 29 says, And now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, and put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. You know, these were the last recorded words of Jesus. These were the last, well, this was the last thing he said before he died on the cross. And last words can be incredibly important. And they certainly are when it comes to the cross and when it comes to the death of Jesus. I remember my mom, and I've shared this before, my mom's last words. She was singing as she was passing away. She was singing a song called, It Is Well With My Soul. It was on her breath, her last words before she went to be with her Jesus, before she went to be with her Savior less than a year ago. And they're words that bring me comfort to this day. They will resonate in me for the rest of my life. It is well with my soul were her last words. You know, it's as powerful as words are, and it's certainly as powerful as my mum's last words were. To be honest, she could truly only declare these words and mean these words because of what Jesus said on the cross 2,000 years ago as he hung in excruciating pain as he was dying. He says, he says these beautiful words, it is finished. You know, when you're dying like Jesus was in, in this pain, in this, in this moment, to use those words, to say those words is incredibly profound for you and for I. He was in excruciating pain. The word excruciating comes directly from the way in which Jesus was killed. The word excruciating comes from the Latin word that means to crucify. It means unbearably painful or extreme agony. The word excruciating, ex-cross, originates from crucifixion, a pain like no other pain. And it was in this pain that Jesus declared the words, it is finished. Finished. What a wonderful thought. But what's finished? The word finished comes from the Greek word tetelestai, which is the same would they use in their language as paid in full. It was often used as an accounting term. When a debt was paid in full, 
That was the Greek word that they would use. It has been paid in full. Jesus on the cross, as he breathed his last breath, said, paid in full. This was the essence of what Christ had come to do. He came to finish the work. Finish God's work of salvation in you and in me. He came to pay in full the entire penalty or the entire debt for our sins. Jesus paid on the cross for you and for I. A debt that we could never, ever pay. And this is the powerful message of the cross. This is the life-changing moment in time for you and for I. It changes everything that our sin has been paid for. Defeated on the cross, paid in full. Your sin and mine on the cross of Calvary. That anger that rises up inside you, paid in full. That pride that we, t we tend to have sometimes, paid in full. Unforgiveness, paid in full. Lust, infirmity, sickness, disease, defeated on the cross, paid in full. Paid in full. The debt has been cancelled. You owe nothing. It is finished. You know, that's the good news of the Christian faith, that our debt there was, that we could never pay was paid by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. You know, if I had a, a natural debt, a, a worldly debt, a debt I could never pay, I was over my head in debt, and somebody from somewhere paid that debt for me, how grateful would I be? How grateful would I be that someone would come and, and without anything expecting anything back would pay my debt? How grateful should I be? How grateful would I be? And that's why I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done because I couldn't pay my debt and you can't pay your debt. But Jesus did. And he did it on the cross. He said it was paid in full. Everything that can be done has been done. The debt has been paid and you are free. That's the message of the cross. That's the message that Jesus said, it is finished. The second concept or idea that comes from the scriptures around the Easter season is all about a torn curtain. And you say, Pastor Dave, what can a torn curtain have to do with the message of the gospel? Well, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 27. It goes on to say this in verse 50. And Jesus cried out again. And with a loud voice, he yielded up his spirit. In verse 51, it says, And behold, the veil or the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Something happened, not just in the supernatural, but in the natural, that this curtain was torn from top to bottom. This torn curtain is a key. It's, a, it's, it's important for us to understand what it means. It's the place that separated the Holy of Holies from the people. It was a place that only the priests could go behind. In the temple, there was a large curtain. It was a huge curtain. But only the priests 
after being go through the purification rituals and after making sure everything was right and he had no sin, he could go behind or through the curtain into the presence of God. This was a strong curtain. This wasn't something you would find, you know, in your home. It wasn't something you'd find just, you know, in a regular place. It was actually a curtain that was made specifically for the temple and for the Holy of Holies to separate man from the presence of God. It says in Exodus chapter 26, it says we find in God having a God giving Moses instructions on how he wants the tabernacle created. And we, we find in Matthew 20, sorry, in Exodus chapter 26 and verse 31, it says, You shall make a veil or a curtain woven in blue, purple and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. And it shall be woven with artistic design of cherubim. And you shall hang it upon four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold. And their hooks shall be gold and upon four sockets of silver. And you shall hang them, the veil or the curtain, from the clasps. So this is God giving instructions to Moses on how to build in the tabernacle where the presence of God would be behind this curtain and, and that only the priest could go through at certain times to a sacrifice or to bring an offering. It goes and say, Then you shall bring the ark, of the, the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. And the veil shall be a divider between the holy place and the most holy place. See, the veil, the curtain served as a door. It served as a place where God's holy presence resides in the temple. And the high priests were the only ones allowed in. And even then, only once a year with the blood offering from the lamb. They understood that God's glory resided at that place. The high priests weren't allowed to enter in at any other time except for the time of sacrifice. This veil, this curtain separated man from the presence of God. The priest would have to be ritually purified before he could enter in, clean. But Christ's atonement on the cross changed that forever. The rather the gospel tells us at that very moment Jesus died, at that very moment where he breathed his last breath and he said, it is finished. That the curtain in the temple that was there to separate man from God was torn from top to bottom. You know, it wasn't torn from the bottom to the top. This is how you and I might, if we went into the curtain, to, into, the, into the hole of holes and tried to grab it and tear it, we'd, we'd grab the bottom of it and we'd tear it up. But this curtain was torn from top to bottom, which means God tore the separation down between God and man. The curtain was rent apart so that man now had access to God. The torn curtain opens away. The torn curtain opens the door. It was destroyed and the barrier of sin, or from the barrier of sin, that the sin that separated us has now been destroyed by the blood of Jesus. You know, Jesus' words ring true from John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He says this, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that true? That it was Jesus who made us in right relationship with the Father. It was through Jesus that we don't, we're not never separated or not separated from God anymore. It was through the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus that we've been made right with him and in communion with God. Again, you know, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus come, he said, behold, the Lamb of God 
You know, it was the lambs that were slaughtered. It was the blood of the lambs that were taken in to the Holy of Holies as an offering to God. But John the Baptist declares, Jesus, behold the Lamb of God, who what? Takes away the sins of the earth. You know, there's no longer a need for burnt offerings. There's no longer a need for blood sacrifice. This was fulfilled in Jesus. His death paid the debt in full and opened the way, opened the curtain that separated you and I from God. We can now access God by faith. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, not by the law, not by everything we can do, not by working hard, not by loving God more, not by worshiping and praying and all those things. They're all good. We should do those things. But we're not justified by those things. We are justified by faith. Having peace with God. How? Through Jesus. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Goes on to say in verse 2. Through whom also we have what? Access. Access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.18 says this. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore we are no longer strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The curtain is important. The tearing of the curtain. That thing that separated man from God when Jesus died was torn, was ripped in half and gave us access by faith to the Father. And the last thing, the last idea or concept I want to share around this Easter story this morning that's so profound, so wonderful around the Easter story is the concept of the empty tomb. The idea of an empty tomb, the truth of the empty tomb. It speaks of the resurrection, which is what we celebrate today. Today is Resurrection Sunday that we know that Jesus died and on the third day he rose again from the grave. The tomb was empty. In Matthew 28 verse 1 it says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary came to see the tomb. They came to see. They came to see expecting Jesus to be in the tomb. They came to watch over the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear of him. You know, the Bible says that the Romans, uh, the, uh, the Romans were, were requested by the Jews to place guards around the tomb just in case, you know, someone stole the body of Jesus. Uh, so, so nothing untoward was going to happen. But even the guards saw what had happened. That this angel appeared, rolled back the stone. And the guards shook with fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He is risen. What a beautiful, what a wonderful thought. What a wonderful uh, a presentation for us as believers to understand that the tomb was empty and he has risen.
come and see the place where he lay, the angel said. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee, where you will see him. Behold, I have told you. In verse, 20, in verse 8, it goes on to say, So they quickly went from the tomb with fear and great joy and rang to bring the disciples word of what had happened. And when they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and I will see them there. You know, the resurrection is the single most pivotal moment in the history of man, and certainly in the history of Christianity. There is no other event that has more consequences than the resurrection. There is no other moment in time in history that has more ramifications than the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus for here, for tomorrow, and for eternity. The resurrection is the time where everything changed. It's the wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus, the empty tomb. The empty tomb says, Jesus is alive. The empty tomb says, death has been defeated. The empty tomb says, Jesus has won the victory. The empty tomb reminds us that Satan has been defeated. He has lost. The empty tomb reminds us that death does not have the final word. And the empty tomb reminds us eternal life is our promise. You know, the resurrection, the empty tomb, is a central claim of the Christian faith. Paul says this, without the empty tomb, he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. But we know, and you know, through the testimony of the Gospels, and through the testimony of the apostles and through our own life experience in connecting with God through Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, we know as born again believers that he is risen and he has risen indeed. God has come. He has entered us through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. And he is alive. You know, billions of people around the world have discovered this truth. Billions of people, billions of people who are followers of Jesus have known this truth from the day that Jesus resurrected to today, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus has won, that sin has been conquered, that the debt has been paid, that we have access to Jesus. We have access to God through Christ our Lord. The tomb is empty. And it's because of that we live for him. We live with him and through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God's Holy Spirit that empowers us. He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit to empower you. And so this Easter, as we remember the cross, we remember that the debt has been paid, that the curtain is torn, and the tomb is empty. You know, the last few days I've been watching a few videos, you know, things have been put on social media. And there was one particular song that's been resonating across the media around the world lately. I don't know if you've seen it. 
um, a number of times, particularly in South America, where people are, there's one where the people are surrounding their church or in the streets or in buildings and close vicinity to each other. And the words of this song are echoing as people are kneeling and praying and worshipping God. And I think it's a song that hopefully will resonate with you today. And I want to just tell you what the words are. We're not going to sing it. We're not going to play it right now. But I think the words are incredibly profound, particularly in the season we're in over this Easter with the coronavirus and the challenges that we face as a community. And it's a song I've known for a long time. It's a song from you know, my, my church background. And here's the words. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Church, this morning he's alive. Jesus the resurrected Lord who paid our debt is alive. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I'm just believing this morning that you receive that word, that you have access. There's no, nothing that separates you from the love of God, that, that you understand that your debt has been paid. And it's by faith we come to Christ and he lives. And I pray for you this morning. Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray this morning that word just saturates our soul. That we, as we come around our homes this morning, where we find ourselves, that we realize and understand and get a fresh revelation that Jesus, you've risen. You live. There is no longer a debt to be paid. You've paid the debt on the cross. And now by faith we have access to the Father. And you welcome us into that relationship. Bless us as we go through this Easter service and Easter Sunday and with our family and friends. And may the world know that Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. He is our King.